The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. up welcome to episode number 373 of on the corner the official pitcherlist.com podcast i'm your host alex fast joined as always by the generous nick pollock nick how you doing what is happening why am i generous fast well you were very generous you were you were not you, you were willing to share the wealth in terms of audio quality for those listening right now you might think oh my god alex sounds better than he's ever sounded i don't have to hear any more sounds of him eating food at the microphone it, it, it's it, it, he sounds gorgeous <laughs> he sounds voluptuous uh and i love that and that's because nick was kind enough to get me a brand new microphone and i feel like a podcaster now like i i, I can't mm. hear myself talking obviously because my headphones are not set up properly yet but like i just i just kind of feel like a certain air like a certain i have a certain decorum now it's like it's very nice so thank you for this new new mic you know i built this murder room for you and then you move away so Mm. i don't know what you're gonna do with this mic now i warn me though for all of us cry for help yeah cry for help now yeah Oh, I feel like I this feel is what the episode's going to be. This is this is going to be a very I don't know. Yeah, today's tier list is ways to murder. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be. It's not going to be that. It's not going to be that. Oh, um, we've got a, obviously we, we we've got a lot to get through today. We're still you know riding high up PitchCon. PLV is out there in the real world. There's beautiful graphics uh, that are out there on Twitter every day. There's fantastic new conversations happening about a bunch of exciting new pitchers whose pitches are a little bit surprising when it comes to pval um yeah. no real no quick. plv plv P- oh no 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 uh, I'm let's breeze past the it. cast right i know <laughs> let's breeze past it nick what give me one give me one plv surprise from you one pitch that's popped out for you that you've been like oh that's a little bit nastier than i thought it was i uh, hunter green's best pitch is a slider that's 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 shocking yeah and it's 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 elite it is unbelievably good. I mean, obviously, it does like uh, Eno's model with pitching plus. It does take into account the fact that he throws a hundred, so that the slider the velocity difference a bit is shocking and more likely to be taken for called strikes in the zone or more deceptive in all of that. But uh, I mean, there's so many. Um, and yeah, we're <laughs> we're recording this very. Uh, it's it's my time is eleven fifteen p.m. Mm. 
the night before yeah. PL8 launches. And I'm going to be up for another like four hours. Oh my God. Uh, it's because, it's because fast, I made this a top 300 starting pitcher ranking. That's about 100. A- 100 is literally a third of it. Think about that. God, that is a, it's a brand new, I, you've never, never done 300 before. You've done no. 200 for pot, I'm sure, but I don't even think you've ever done 250. You, you ripped the bandaid off. You said, give me an yeah. extra 100 again. So, so what happened is I got up to about 250 or about 240 or so with everything I did um, with the uh, the plus pitch podcast blurbs. Mm-hmm. Essentially, how I did that is I wrote all of these blurbs during that. And it was a really nice process. And then I was like, oh, you know what? There are these extra guys I didn't get into. Then I got to be back 250, maybe then 260. And then I did another uh, turn around like all of the teams and I found that there were about, yeah, like 40 guys that I should mention. Like, I'm going to mention 260 of them and not mention yeah. these 40. So I spent more time than I expected writing this. It's 45,000 words. Oh, my God. All on one page. Yes, you have the top 100 table inside that page. Don't worry, guys. But I mean, last year we did it all paginated. That means you had... 1 through 20, then you had 21 through 40, and then you had to go yeah. through all the different ones, right? This year, it's all 300 on one, on one post. Mad so man. you can control after everything. I know. Absolute I know. Mad man. But, you know, we're going to talk about it, and it's going to be great. It's going to be Can wonderful. you reveal for the listeners who number 300 is? No. No. I feel wow. like that's... Uh, all right, fine. That's all right. <laughs> I mean, you felt so hurt. Jeez. Wait, yeah. I, I feel like I, I had to really put some thought into this. Because okay. I could put really who I think like is the most random one. I can tell you 299 is. It's it's Chichi Gonzalez. Okay. Where is he at now? Because he's not he's in, now in Miami. Anymore. He's, but he's in Miami, always found right. a way to like be involved. It's mm-hmm. so funny to me. And also with Miami, they are a team that just some random guy will start during the year. And I sure the purpose of this, I mean it's 300. That's an average of 10 per team. Like ridiculous. Is to say, like, look, these are the the eclectic group of guys that you're probably going to see in the last like 50 or 70, right? Mm-hmm. So the very last one, I'll give you a hint. He did not play in the major leagues in 2022, but he had many years before. Because of injury? He actually played in another league last year. So guy who went to the KBO or to Japan no. and then... No, no and... Played in another league last year. Yeah. I have no idea. Who is that? Uh Suspetta's family barbecue would have really liked that they played in this league. Okay. He, play, he played in Lightum. It was Julio Teheran. And oh wow. Oh what a name. <laughs> well what the thing is he got what a pull. So I, I love that as the last one because he always I mean, this is how you act fast. It's like I want the last one to be more significant in some way. Yeah, right? Love it. So My I favorite. could have just done Chichi Gonzalez. I could have just done it like that. That's not and it. That's is, not a number three hundred. But that's not a number three hundred. Tehran is because the he Padres is. are in this weird situation where you have your you have your three, really. Is a Padre? The Padres, yes. Yeah. The uh a Padre. Yeah, <laughs> neither did I. Um, <laughs> uh, and then you have uh, Nick Martinez and Seth Lugo, who are the four and five, likely. Mm-hmm. Adrian Morejon, who is the sixth. And then after that, what's next? And I, I kind of sat down with this. I was like, wait a second. Like, there isn't much depth going on here. And it made sense that Julio Tehran would just kind of get some random starts through the year. It makes mm. all the sense to me that he would get that opportunity. So 
We'll see what happens. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we just never hear of it. They tried and it's like, yeah, no, you're not good enough. We're done here. But that's why I mean, that's what makes him a perfect 300. Maybe Tehran, who apparently is throwing a little bit harder, like a little bit, up to like 93.7 instead of 92 or something. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe that works out. Perfect 300. I don't say that. I love it. I don't say this to denigrate you. I say it because it makes me laugh. You know that there will be one person who's a top 40 pitcher who is not on that list <laughs> of 300. Because you know what I mean? Because it just always happens. You know what well, I mean? It, it's if, if it is, always- it's a prospect. So I have a whole, I have like 35 to 40 that are just like, we have our um, official top prospects to stash mm. article. And so I have all 25 of them in here in some fashion. And then I added an extra 10 or so that I felt were interesting. For example, Matthew Libertor, which I think is, mm. oh, he actually threw a little bit harder at the end of last year. So maybe, I mean, I, I think this is honestly what I, what I thought about it. There may be people that do like DCs and best balls. Sure. And that are 40, 50 rounds or something. They're just trying to find somebody. I feel like this is a really nice list to be able to say, oh, right. Maybe Chad Cool. What team does, does Chad Cool pitch with now? He actually just signed. When I when I was doing this on Sunday, I Jeez. think when I did it, I was like, he's still a free agent. And I made this whole thing. <laughs> it's actually one of my favorite oh, blurbs he, in the whole thing. Yeah, that's right. He, uh, I was thinking of another person, but he did. He signed with the Nationals, didn't he? Right. So yeah. I even said in my blur, I wrote it before he, when he was still a free agent, right? Um, I wrote like, you know, I got, I've got to feel kind of bad for Chad Cool. Chad Cool is mm-hmm. this amazing slider and he just hasn't figured out his fastball. So where is he pitched? It's been Pittsburgh. And then he goes to Colorado and yeah. he hasn't had any opportunity to develop with a team that literally believes in him. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe he gets on the Dodgers. Maybe he goes to Seattle or something. And then I go and check again. He's on the Nationals. That's unbelievable. It's <laughs> unbelievable. It is just Chad. Cool, man. I'm just, no, I'm so sorry. Um, well, listen, everyone, everyone listening now, you're going to have plenty of opportunity to hear yeah. about the people coming in that uh, 200 <laughs> to 300 range because... Nick and I are continuing to break down as many pitchers as possible, and that returns right now as we break down number 71 through 80. Now, as we've kind of cautioned in the past couple of podcasts, this is not, yes, it's a top 100, but it's more, it's better to be think of like a top 100 in review where we get to break down 100 different pitchers. And then for full transparency, what we're going to do is we have 71 through 80, 81 through 90, 91 through 100. Before we go on to the plus 100s, we're going to do a quick recap, make sure there were no guys we missed. Nick will be able to have an opportunity to talk about guys that went up, guys that went down, some of the changes and thoughts that he had. But for now, we're, we're almost 10 minutes in, so let's jump into this this 71 sure. through 80. Now, there are some caveats that come with this one already, too, and we're going to get to them as they prog- as we as we go through this episode. Yeah. But let's start with number 71 um, is Marcus Stroman. Um, so Marcus Stroman, you know, upticks the slider usage last year. Uh, PLV really digs the the sinker. Uh, oh, I should say really digs the, the slider, uh, the sinker. Yes. It views as about league average, yeah. um, but it really, really enjoys the slider. Now, like we said, he upticked the usage, but the swinging strike rate overall dropped down a little bit, got hit a little bit harder, still with a, a 255 Woba and a 254 X Woba, so still really good. Um, I don't imagine that you see that there's a, a, you know, a world in which he return, you know, he, he goes over being a 22, 23% K rate guy, but theoretically there, you know, there could be some additional gains to have in that uh, swinging strike rate as he dropped down almost 
two, well, almost three full percent last year, which is kind of a little bit of a surprise. What are you thinking about Stroman that has you having him at number 71? Right. So uh, first and foremost, fast, um, what is the theme of the tiers today? Because I have to do a new oh, one for this one. Yes, it's the Grammys. The Grammys? They were last night. <sighs> Don't sigh because you're not up to date with the topical things of the world. Yeah, that's why I'm sighing. I'm allowed to sigh if I want to sigh about that. That's true. Yes. You're right. That's true. That's true. I mean, how many? I'll okay. say this. Um, you you think yeah, of, you think yeah. of you think of what could go into Grammys. I'll say this, which is kind of a surprise. Marcus Stroman has now three consecutive years of a sub three five ERA. It's a little unfair because last year was literally three five, but three five ERA over 140 innings about last year, 180 innings about in 2021, 302 ERA, and then two teams, of course, in 2019 between Toronto and the Mets. But overall, he has a 322 ERA, which is kind of fascinating. Even if you go back to, oh yeah, he kept his streak alive too of never having a FIP over four which is like just remarkable to me in his career mm. never once has he had a plus four fit which is interesting do you have uh, uh 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 something for this tier yes um you're gonna laugh it's called kid a and oh. uh you have to understand i uh, kid a won the grammy for best produced album mm -hmm. when it came out however my my father was a mu music engineer and he was nominated for a Grammy uh, against Kid A. Wow! Uh, and it was uh, it was Aaron Neville's record. Oh, um, I mean, there was a, there was an engineer that really did, and my dad helped on that record. But yeah, he got to go to the Grammys and everything like that. This is that tier. I really should call the Aaron Neville tier. Sure, because they are not Kid A. Mm. They are not. They're just trying. Yeah, yeah. They're just happy to be there. Yeah, you know? sure. And they're just touched that they're they're going to hopefully be involved with your team early but maybe not the entire year yeah i'm gonna get some flack for this but they're like moon-shaped pool which is the latest radiohead mm. album which is like it sure is. that's a radiohead album love those cellos <laughs> it's great that's the best track uh, burn the witch oh, is that, the yeah. best track yeah yeah absolutely. 100 yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway so anyway marcus stroman <laughs> Um, so this is the thing. I, 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 I feel weird talking about this because there are two players who were, are now in my top 70 that weren't when we last spoke. Mm -hmm. um, and that's because I've displaced um, Edward Cabrera and Trevor Rogers um, a little bit. And the reason for that, um, I, I'll talk about one, but I can't talk about Strom without talking about Jameson Tyone. Okay. It's because the Cubs are in. This is such an interesting thing. We're in the 70s now. Right. Think about your 12 teamer drafts. Think about mm -hmm. what kind of pitcher you're getting now, the number you're getting. Right. Typically, it's around like SP6, SP7. You know, you gain to the back end of your starting rotation, especially for me, where you've you've invested a lot in early pitching that you quickly sorry, in, in early hitting. Then you mm -hmm. quickly go back and invest in pitching so that you have five guys, that you you know, four that you really like, five that you're taking this fun upside on. Maybe it's like Kenta Maeda or something or Reed Detmers. And you get to here. And. At the beginning of the season, my strategy is that I want to have guys I want to start the opening weekend. Sure. And that's why I put out that article today, which is mm -hmm. the first start of every starter. Because if you can get not only uh, a good matchup the first turn of it, but also somebody who is the first three, that means that you can get this value in the first three games of the year. And that before some interesting guy makes his start, because he's the SP4, the SP5. And then when they do, you already got the value and you can swap it out, right? I love having it 
from my drafts, that first start locked in. And the Cubs, Marcus Stroman, Jameson Tyone, and Drew Smiley are one, two, three in that rotation. They get the mm-hmm. Brewers, and they're not going inside the top 150. I'm I, I'm targeting them in all my 12 teamers just to say, cool, I need to start the opening weekend. I want where? one of these guys. Where? Where? Where am I? Where am I targeting them? No, sorry, in in Milwaukee or in Chicago, it's a big difference. I feel like the opening week. Oh, that is a very good question. Uh, I can answer it quickly. It's in Chicago. It's in Chicago, then. Yeah, absolutely. So, and it's also going to be a little bit colder, which generally helps yeah. pitchers. I think, uh, I if I remember correctly. So, the ball won't drive out as far, probably. Right. I I'm I'm so encouraged by that. And maybe maybe you like it so much. Maybe there's something new from these guys that you want to hold on. There isn't something else that's more interesting on the wire. And you're like, you know what? Yeah, I'll take the next start of these guys as well. So I'm uh, I'm crafting my teams like this. There's no worse feeling than drafting a guy having a bad first matchup and you've literally had to wait 10 days to get a start out from them. Right. And then, and then otherwise you're seeing all these other great pitchers go and, you're like, oh, no, should I do this? Should I not? And you literally are making a swap without getting anything from them so far. Mm-hmm. So that's why I have uh, Jameson Tyone it at uh, at 69 right now. Um, I also am really encouraged by uh, I think there's more to get out of his curveball. Um, I think that just the, we were talking about the cutter and the four seamer a bit. Um, about you know maybe the cutter introduction messed up his four seamer. I think it's just an interesting situation he's got in in Chicago, and I'm kind of encouraged to take a chance there. And then you have Stroman, who's just the like the the normal three five ERA, like it's gonna be maybe a one twenty whip or so. I, look, I think he can go six strong innings in that first start. He's gonna be a probable starter in my streaming ranks, and I'm just gonna kind of take it from there. He's probably gonna be a Toby if he really does unlock that slider. Awesome. Maybe I'll see that from the first start. But in, for most cases, I mean, yeah, he's going to be fine. And I'm happy to have someone that I want to start in the first start. And then maybe I want to hold on to, maybe not. I don't feel too attached to. So uh, this is kind of how I've, I I rank these guys in the 60s and 70s. Um, and you're going to see that tendency through this podcast. Just before we move on to number 72, though, you just got me looking at the the Milwaukee Brewers roster resource page, which is it's not a good offense. It's a wild ride. I'll without without put your hands up so I can see that you're not going to cheat. I will Ven I will Venmo you twenty five dollars right now yeah. if you can name who roster resource lists as the starting second baseman. Ruiz. No. Oh, it's your favorite player. No, no, my favorite player. Oh, yeah, no. it's called the Wong's. Bri- it's your favorite player, Bryce Tereng. Bryce Turang. Bryce Turang. B-R-I-C-E-T-U-R-A-N-G. It's Bryce oh, Turang. Man. Why do you make so me squirm about hitters fast? Why do you do that? Well, but uh, do you... Uh, also of note, they you don't... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing. Uh, also of note is they don't have... Uh, Roster Research currently has Aaron Ashby just straight up in middle relief. Like not even as a... As a as a number five or as a long relief or even as a close to a long relief, because they got Wade Miley in that rotation at number five, with Adrian Hauser theoretically as long relief, and then if that doesn't work out, then Bryce Wilson in middle relief as well. Yeah, I, 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 I read a whole thing about if Bryce Wilson steals a start from Aaron Ashby. So help me. It, oh my yeah. oh my i i i think i've had that nightmare before and i've woken up in a cold sweat I that mean, would he, just drive me insane 
but it, listen, he's definitely behind Wade Miley, right? If you're signing Wade Miley, Wade yes. Miley is going to start, right? And um, they have Adrian Hauser, and it's kind of weird, right? That's I have weird. I have Hashby outside my top 100 because of this. Yeah, you can't you can't you. draft him because you know it, looking back to last year, sure Strider took off and did amazing things. Sure, Javier took off and did amazing things. Main main consistency of them or the the main uh, thing that links them four seamer dominance. That is not Ashby's approach. He does not have that. His sinker is a big liability for him against right handers. Yeah. Also, banking on someone to turn into Strider or Javier for over a month out of the start of the season is not a good gamble to make. Mm. You do not want to do that. It's all about in season. Hopefully, you get to be the person that gets in the right time and, and stashing where you need to. But man. I mean, how long did it take for Strider to finally get going? I think it was about a month and a half or something. Yeah. Um, same with Christian Javier. Uh, Maybe a little quicker for Javier, but still, you can't go into drafts expecting that. As I put, of course, Hunter Brown at 68. <laughs> but that's more of a see how they played out in the spring because the Astros could actually do a six-man rotation. <laughs> if they don't, you get rid of it. But you have to get rid of it. Got to have that <laughs> discipline. I had two very lovely transitions queued up, both for Jameson Tyone and Hunter Brown. <laughs> they're gone. <laughs> they're they're yeah. gone. What were they? They're, what were they're they? gone. Nothing. I can't say them now. I mean, like, you know, just the thought, you know, we talked about them before the podcast. I was like, all right, how am I going to do this? You you even said, all right, and I'll see how you send it over my way. Yeah, I know. And fast. You, it's, get it's 11, you get excited. You get excited. 11.35. You get excited. I'm all about it. I'm starting to, to, to get mangled up. I'm all about the passion. Let's at least yeah. do this. We're going to take a quick break. And when we yeah, do, we'll have you break down Good Hunter job. Brown. I'm really proud Thank of you. you. Thank you. We're back. We're, we're, before we progress to number 72, this is the longest it's ever taken us to get to the second pitcher on the podcast. <laughs> that's easy. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's easy. But, but we've got a little bit backwards, but we knew this was going to happen. So number 69 was Jamison Tyone, um, who we've already discussed. But 68 was retroactively after the last podcast, Hunter Brown. So Nick, you, you hinted a little bit um, you know, about why he is where he is. But I also want to bring up the fact that you know, you as well as many others, myself included, when he came up for that Verlander stint, it was nice. There was a lot to be excited about with that pitch. Um, this isn't uncommon for Houston too to like take a prospect, you know, bring him up a little bit. Maybe sometimes let him come in relief. Like I always think about how Joe Musgrove came in relief in the, you know, obviously it was the playoffs, so it was like a little bit of a different circumstances, but came in relief every once in a while. Hunter Brown flashes some really exciting stuff. What had you retroactively putting him at number 68? Well, I feel like I can't talk about number 68 without talking about number 45. I'm just kidding. Oh. Uh, <laughs> It's like uh, that math meme where everyone's like, <laughs> <laughs> like their eyes are. Yeah. It's a TikTok where they keep adding things on the previous one. Um, Hunter Brown only had an 8.5% swing strike around his four seamer. And it's very weird. Uh, he doesn't elevate as much as we would want him to if he's that four seamer focused, right? There's a great article about um, on fan graphs about Hunter Brown being a mix of Verlander and Valdez. And I don't, it's a very interesting thought because he had a 67% ground ball rate and it's very small sample of 20 innings. I don't really think that this four seamer is going to be that 57% ground ball rate over time. He really did a lot of YM lock. And I think you're going to see more high location moving forward um, from uh, Hunter Brown. But if he does actually like going at the bottom of the zone with that four seamer, which he did do a decent amount of the time, he could see that. 
uh, from him. It does make me a little less encouraged than the Justin Verlander examples, but the curveball is such a nice breaking ball and the slider needs a little bit of work, but I think the shapes on those are so good and Mm -hmm. uh, it's really nice. Again, I need to emphasize Strider and Javier's fastballs way better than Hunter Brown's. You know, the velocity 8.5% swing strike rate. I don't care. That's a 20 inning sample. That is not that giant whiff pitch unless he all of a sudden just shoots it up the high lock and that's just what he does all the time. Maybe it's closer to it, of course, but I don't expect that. Still, I think it's a scenario where he's going to be, he would be the sixth man in this rotation. Defense is really good. um, And I think his skills are there that you would want to go after it. So, I agree. Six man, there really is not a spot for him at the moment. Uh, And also, you know, some of these guys, it's difficult for them to stay healthy. Some of these guys will see an increase in innings because maybe the gloves are off a little bit more now. But heaven forbid an injury happens. Hunter Brown's locked into the five man rotations, getting the ball every five days. Any difference into where he is in your list? He's got to be. I actually put in the blurb. It's a top 50. Top 50. Um, He'd be closer to the like Luzardo uh, spot. Okay. You really hit the lose loser kind of Luzardo. Well, you did yeah, caveat yeah. like what? It was ridiculous. What, what you do you say? Before. Caveat? What? How are you supposed to say caveat? You say caveat, not like the cav being like the calves or something. I don't know. You <laughs> really, <laughs> you really went in. All right, sorry. Uh, let's move on to uh, number seventy-two. We it was like it. twenty was, minutes ago. Yeah, I know. We, 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 <laughs> we, we got there. The... Um. Yeah, seriously, that was a long time ago. Um, I saw someone kind of uh, not take you to task, but uh, highlight how they were sick of the kind of Luis Garcia slander that happens on this website, right? So Luis Garcia coming in at number 72, back-to-back years of about 155 innings, uh, 372 ERA, which drops down from the 348, which he had in in 2021. Also saw the K rate take a little bit of a step back, the swing strike rate take a little bit of a step back. But we saw a, a lower BABIP, a lower whip, uh, which maybe those two are interrelated, while the home run to fly ball rate definitely maintained there. Overall, good amount of swing strike rate, right? 14.3%, 25th overall in the majors. You can see that if you go check out the uh, pitcher list player pages. Um, d- defend defend this Luis Garcia ranking. Defend. Well. Uh, I could be very much wrong on it. Um, I think one of the things that everyone needs to take into account is there are so many good pitchers. There are so, so, so many um, that are going to be productive for your teams. Luis Garcia has a good matchup, likely, at the beginning of the season as well. Um, the, uh, <sighs> the thing about Luis Garcia to me is that you can see the Astros don't want to trust him. Um, they didn't trust him in the postseason. Uh, and he 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 has a really good cutter. And sometimes the slider is really good, but it isn't. And if you followed him through the entirety of last season, you saw him change his pitch mix a lot. And to me, it's a guy that feels a little bit lost in what he's doing. I don't love the fastball. I don't love really anything but that cutter. The cutter is phenomenal. Um, But he doesn't lean into it like you see other guys do it. It's just a strange situation going on for me. And since the the end of July, uh, it was a 3.82 ERA with a 124 whip. um, 22% K rate across 64 innings. Um, It's just not... I feel like if having Luis Garcia, I'm like, all right, this is fine. It's kind of Toby-esque, but a little bit better. The Toby tier is all the way down by like 90. And when I was trying to sift in Luis Garcia with everybody else, I kind of saw these paths for for more from other guys, right? And also quicker decisions. 
And when Luis Garcia, I was like, okay, well, I like the first start. He should, let's say he's the number five for the Astros. Uh, Luis Garcia would be getting the Detroit Tigers. Phenomenal. I'm so in on that, right? It could be Jose Urquidy. They could flip that. I want the one who gets that start, likely. Um, but I do believe more in Urquidy's uh, kitchen sink repertoire. He got into it more last season or by the end of it. I think that there is something really to pull from that. Um, it's just the cutter, I think, with Luis Garcia. And it's hard for me to really lean on it. Again, I still like it. I would like to have him on my team. It's just there are a lot of other guys to choose. Yeah, I can understand it. I mean, while he's done a good job of suppressing how much hard contact he's giving up on the four-seamer overall, it's still a 30, 33% hard contact on the four-seamer, which is about 3% over league average. I mean, you see a 372 WOBA on the heater that you use predominantly with a 371 X WOBA. It's it's going to give you some concern. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I mean, he seems to, you know always beat these peripherals right i mean he's put up some some good numbers um i can understand i can understand your logic here but at the end of the day too there is the possibility like i don't know personally if you're bringing in the ceiling enough right because we've talked about guys who are maybe have an inherent flaw and that they can get you a good era and they can maybe get you some k's but their whip is really going to kill you or something like that Mm -hmm. but at, at his core, you, you're talking about 160. Like It's very plausible to get 160 innings of a 25% K rate with a 1.15 whip and a mid to high three ERA. Yeah, that's, no. that, that's a very good ceiling. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And maybe I'm not weighting that enough. I My, my gut says that it's going to be worse. Uh, like In 2021, it got worse in 2022 by a little bit of the ERA. The strike rate went, strike rate went down. The whip got better. Babbitt got better. But I, I I, don't buy it. I mean, the cutter had a sub 58% strike rate. Mm-hmm. And that meant that he couldn't rely on it as much as he wanted. The curveball is not good. And I mean, it had decent results, but it's not something he really loves trusting. Um, and then it's only 10% usage there. Uh, the changeup, I, I, it had good results, I guess. But like... That that's just kind of how I feel about Garcia's overall repertoire. It's really the cutter when it works; it just needs to get more strikes. The curveball. I mean, maybe I'm not even giving enough, enough credit to the curveball. Thirty percent CSW, sixty-one percent strike rate, but only ten percent usage. Maybe he could be throwing that more. But he does hang that in the zone a bit. I think he got away with it a decent amount. I don't know. It's a uh, it, it, it's a little bit of a puzzle to me. And uh, watching him all of last year, Luis Garcia. Didn't feel consistent. Didn't feel like, hey, this is how I get guys out. This is what I do. And it felt start to start, he was trying to figure it out again. And I think the Astros kind of know that. And that's why they're like, yeah, we don't want you for the playoffs. So I'm a little scared about it. Okay. Uh, let's move on now to number 70. Uh, well, 73 is Edward Cabrera. So we we talked. Uh, get out of here, Edward. About Edward Cabrera. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're skipping him. You can go to the last podcast where we did a little bit more of a deep dive on Edward Cabrera. He was pushed down a little bit. If he um, is the number five, he would get the twins, by the way. Trevor Rogers gets the Mets. That's why Edward Cabrera is ahead now. Ah, very nice. That's a good piece of information. We're going to move into uh, a new tier at number 74, and that's with Carlos Carrasco. So, yeah, come on. We need it. Come on, Nick. What do we need? A a Grammy tier. Can't be Kid B. Uh, um, It is the Blame Canada tier. Okay. Uh, It got nominated uh, for an Oscar. And I, uh, I think everybody is, if you know, this, of course, is with uh, with South Park, 
Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're talking Grammy, so why are you saying got nominated for an Oscar? Oh, I'm sorry for for Grammy. Oh, okay. um, got nominated for an Oscar too. Now I'm thinking of Oscars. My gosh, I'm so bad at this. <laughs> I was like, it's a song, so yeah. clearly it was a Grammy. <laughs> Maybe it did. It should have won. They would have had an EGOT. All right. <laughs> That that is amazing. I mean, it's I the remember. Only thing um, missing. um, sorry, I Grammy. <laughs> okay. Um, I think I'm going to call it the Clocks one. I still don't understand how that won Record of the Year. I love it. Don't get me wrong, but there were so many. I just remember being so invested that year in all of these different songs, and like all of them deserved to win, but then uh-huh. Clocks did, and all Clocks is. I'm mean, like, I get it. It's just like a three chord progression with like piano, like sure. an arpeggio. Like it's not that amazing. Yeah. Catchy. But yeah, but like, uh, all right, it works. And that's what this tier is. These are the guys that have good schedules early on. Like, all right, I'll play that song, but I don't want to play it the entire year. <laughs> just sorry. I was just looking at the other record of the year nominees from 2004, and it's just a blast from the go past. Ahead. Go, uh, go let's ahead. get it started by the black i mean IDs. come on that was so massive classic no, here we massive. go again by ray charles and Nora jones yeah by usher and Ludacris. unbelievable fantastic american idiot by green day big yeah. one and heaven by los lonely boys which i also remember saw the clocks one for santana but clocks one clocks one unbelievable I guess. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at the wrong year. <laughs> anyway, we digress. Um, so, yeah, Carlos Carrasco leads this year off at number 74. Maybe is he not getting enough love? I mean, you know, one of the things that we one of the big talking points about Carlos Carrasco coming into the 2022 season was purely innings. Right. Obviously, he, he was dealing with leukemia for a while, which was terrifying and survived. And that was awesome and had an amazing welcome back at the All Star game a couple of years ago. Um, then, in uh, you know, hadn't thrown over 100 innings since 2018 after having you know a a few solid years in terms of innings and then ends up throwing 152 nearly 100 more uh than he threw the year before with a sub four era right i mean this is a guy who hasn't really been known for his whip since 2018 right 2019 oh obviously there was a little bit uh injury concerns and other things going on there but a 133 whip backed by a 337 uh babbitt 24% 24% K rate, certainly a far cry from the numbers that we saw in his heyday, but none of us really expecting to see Carlos Carrasco return the numbers that he put up in his heyday. You could really also point to a 353 uh, FIP and a 360 Sierra as some indication that maybe there is a little bit more left in the tank for Carlos Carrasco. What are you thinking? I, I want him for the first start against the Marlins. Uh, he's he's the SP3 as of right now, is what I believe. Then Quintana's the SP4. Uh, and then Senga is the five. I, I This is my own assessments. I could be wrong about this. We don't really know. It's February, but that's generally what I would think. Uh, and great. I'll take him. That's the Sunday, right? Or sorry, maybe it's actually even the Saturday. You get that start from Carrasco and you get out of there. You know, you have your weekly leagues on Sunday. Awesome. Done. When's the last time that Carrasco had a whip underneath 120? It was 2018. He's only had it once under 133 in the last four years. Yeah, but I, um, I agree. But also, like, 1920 and 21 are gone. They're washes. That's fine. But he's coming off of a 9.5 hit per nine season, 133 whip. Uh, it's, it's a product of his four-seamer not being a good pitch. It's never been a good pitch. He was a guardian pitcher. And it was always, oh, yeah, the changeup in the slider, way better than my four-seamer and sinker. Four-seamer's still not good. Actually dropped in and swing strike rate. 
Uh, and the changeup, ah, so he really does the changeup to the lefties and then the slider to righties. He really does that. The changeup had a 23% CSW last year, despite 25% usage. It's gotten worse, and it's not the classic changeup that we know from him. So Carrasco, to me, is someone who's, he's well, he's getting older. He's going to be, I believe, 35, actually maybe 36 for this year. With a worse changeup, his fastball's still bad. And the slider is good. The slider is the saving grace of this. Still a 20% swing strike rate last year yeah. uh, for Carrasco's slider. I mean, that, that's great. And that's why he's a major leaguer and why we're considering this. But I don't think he's going to have a dramatically better whip. And I'm just here in my 12-teamer for that start against the Marlins. Take it all day. If you if you see something there that you like, awesome. Then we keep it going. But just get that start with the Marlins and then be like, all right, I'll just go swipe them out for that guy who looks amazing. And that's that's great. I, I it is kind of interesting to see the that um PLV really digs his changeup. He's got a five point four five, a league average four point nine six on that changeup. It really does like it a lot, which I mean, I guess makes sense. Near 20% swing strike rate again, a strike rate at 65%, you know, 255 Woba, obviously able to to, to command it relatively well. Um, so, yeah, I don't Ooh, know. That's I a mean, more encouraging, zone, maybe. maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe. It is surprising to see a 32% zone rate on, on that, though, because I feel like, you know, PLB well, I mean, likes... change up, the best changeups are O-swing generated, right? So that's a 47% O-swing. That is now, nuts. That is nuts, and that's probably why PLV loves it. Um, I, I I do wonder, I do wonder if that sticks around or not. Uh, twenty six percent hard contact. I, yeah, I, I'm still out. <laughs> Despite that, um, I I really just don't trust the the whip to come down dramatically. I mean, I he's going to allow a ton of hits. I, I get that, and I do love, not for nothing, this doesn't really have anything to do with the analysis, but if you go to the Pitcherless Player pages and go to Carlos Carrasco, click on his changeup and scroll down to take a look at the strike zone plot, which is next to the to the GIF. I just love that there wasn't even a mistake up at all. There's oh, no yeah. Mistakes Always up and down. In. Like, yeah. I love that he was so consistent. Like, sure, every once in a while, one maybe leak over the heart of the plate, but like, man, he knew how to just keep that pitch down. Um Let's move to number 75 here. Yeah, 85% um, low lock is really good. Is that what he had on, on the changeup? Change yeah. 85%. Good job, Carrasco. That, that is, that's remarkable. Um, number uh, 75 here, a guy that in the past we've had some interest in because of some interesting velocity peaks, and that's Drew Smiley. I do think that we can agree that the 94 that Drew Smiley was sitting in 2020 was likely due to the shortened season. It's kind of, uh, you know, his velocity sat closer to 93 this past season than it did in 2021. Um, but I think him sitting close to 94 or him sitting 94 again is kind of out of the question. Last year, we, you know, we still saw a kind of curveball sinker approach with more reliance on the curveball and an increase in the cutter usage. The cutter he threw more overall, both to lefties and righties, but drastically increased the usage to lefties. He went to the went to the cutter 40% overall. The sample wasn't huge, but he returned to 253 Wobo, which is a career best from him on, on cutters to lefties. The the problem that I kind of have with Drew Smiley is it, it it works for lefties. He still isn't great against righties his 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 cutter had a 467 woba 
uh, on uh, against righties last year. The sinker had mm, a 362 yeah. Woba as well. Sure. And there it is. There's 67% of his pitches right there with because yeah. <laughs> he only throws a well. Oh, that's the other thing I want to bring up. Yeah. Another guy who's difficult to theoretically talk about fan graphs and baseball savant have him without a four seamer anymore. We have him with a four seamer anymore. So yeah, it's difficult. Very. Yeah. 6.3%. He's one of those lefties that throws a sinker that profiles at times like a four seamer. Sure. Yeah. But th- um, to me, that that's that's the issue that that I have. I, I think he was able to boost that swing strike rate overall because of. Uh, I think because of the cutter, I think it was. No, it was the sinker. Excuse me. He changed the yeah. uh, horizontal release point on it. But man, not having a real solid weapon against righties makes me a little scared. Well, I don't know if I agree with this. So um, first and foremost, he changed his approach um, around July. I uh, drew Smiley becoming pretty much executing brilliantly. The Blake Snell blueprint with four uh, four seamers, but no sinkers up and curveballs down, and really good at this. And the results, it's beautiful. Starting on July sixteenth, Drew Smiley returned a two seventy seven ERA, a one hundred nine WHIP, a twenty two percent K rate with a fourteen percent swing strike rate. Okay, that's if you had Drew Smiley last year. I mean, in fantasy, you're like, oh yeah, you had Drew Smiley, and you're like, this is great. And what's really annoying is that we don't have the data from that Field of Dreams game still. And it bothers mm, me. That was the I same know. as Lodolo. But Drew Smiley destroyed. He demolished the Reds hitters there. Ah, oh, it was so good. It was so good. I don't have any pitch data on it. But I watched it and I was like, yep, these are sinkers and these are curveballs. This is nice. Um, against right-handers, his curveball had a 537 PLV, which is actually above average for lefties against right-handers. And his sinker was above average against the right-handers. Normally, you see sinkers against opposite-handedness batters. Opposite-handedness, I should say. It's normally bad, like really bad. Like a 4.75 is the PLV of that um, from lefties to righties. 4.92, so still slightly below the 5 threshold that we want, but still better. And I think it's because he started elevating it later on. We don't have a, uh, a time date for this, but I guarantee you, starting in July, way better. The way I see it again, this is, I mean, I know I'm going to sound like a broken record at this point, but in your 12 teamers, where are we? Oh yeah, we're in the mid 70s, right? This is the back half of your draft easily, if not back quarter. And you should be thinking about the first start of the year. Guess what? Smiley gets the Brewers, just like Stroman and Tyone. I want that start. That's the third game of the year. I get that one. And if Smiley is throwing super hard and it looks great, then I hold on to him. But at the very least, I have a guy who's going to be a probable start on my streaming uh, streaming article in the morning. Like that. That's as simple as it gets at this point. Because we're going to talk about in the next podcast, a lot of guys who you might be interested in, but you have to stash them. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to wait 10 days because I guarantee you, if you get any of these guys at this point, you're going to want to drop them for somebody else who's just all of a sudden looking studly the first week. It happens every single year. Yeah. So I, that that's that's where I'm at. And Drew Smiley, great. I'll, I'll cash in that start. Sounds wonderful to me. Okay. I want to move on actually to to number 76 because it's a guy i've been excited to talk to you about all day is i think you retweeted this tweet uh that i found when i was doing some digging on him and that's jose quintana and i didn't think that i would be 
about to say this, but I actually wonder if he's too low. Um, and and here's oh. I know oh, I was like no no because he throws but he throws high. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, so that that's I mean you got to just hit the nail on the head. So right. trying to figure out how he achieved a sub three ERA for the first time in his career, uh, a career low two fifty eight four seamer woba, and he just said, "Oh, elevate it." That's what I should be doing. And 71% or about 70% of his four-seamers were elevated last year. The pitch returned when it was elevated. A 188 Woba, which was the fifth best overall and third best when he said a minimum of 50% of heaters thrown being elevated themselves. He also returned to going to the pitch glove side a lot more. He was just like, you know what? I'm going to jam righties with this pitch. And those glove side ones return to 261 Woba. Even with a 303 X Woba, that's very, very good. Um, sure, at the surface, it's not the flattest four-seamer. The spin efficiency isn't great. The stuff is not fantastic. But his ability to command makes me think that he might be able to continue to paint the zone. Also very interesting that PLV really dug three of his pitches the the four seamer and the curveball and the sinker all above average he increased that changeup usage which maybe might not have been great i mean he kind of dropped it back down when he went over to st louis but the the curveball woba went below 250 for the first time since 2015 and while i am not assuming that his era is going to be the same because there was no way he's sustaining a 6.3 home run to fly ball rate It's just never been him, and I don't think it's going to be him. He seems to have figured out that he can have success jamming righties, and I don't know. He might be able to continue to do that. Yeah. Oh, it was fun. You know, uh, the the thing we enjoy the most fast, and correct me if I'm wrong, are seeing guys who we've ridden off doing something Mm -hmm. different and having success. Yeah, I love it. Right. And Jose Quintana, I uh, 2020, you had a 4-5 ERA when he was with LA and San Francisco in 29 games. He was in relief a lot. Uh, 643 ERA in 63 innings. I mean, it was it was so rough. And I if you guys have listened to me talk about Quintana before, you'll know exactly what I'm gonna say. Where in 2021, he had these two different outings. One of them where he went ultra hard on curveballs down and he had like double digit whiffs on it. And then another one where he finally elevated four seamers and had double digit whiffs on that. And he did poorly in both. But then all I said was, your powers combined. Like, just do both of these things simultaneously and you'll have success. And he finally just started doing it last year out of nowhere. Mm. It, it just it just happened. The question I have is, I mean, it was pristine command. It really was. Yeah. Do we buy that Jose Quintana is a pristine command pitcher? Because this has been someone in the past that has been rocked by walk rates. And I don't know if I'm willing to jump in on that. Even with this extra command, keep in mind, just a 20% swing uh, overall strikeout rate last year for Quintana, right? It wasn't like he's doing this and now he's a 25% plus strikeout guy. That was him at his peak for that 293 ERA, 121 whip. So I'm a little hesitant to jump in saying his command is going to be just as good. Eno will be the first one to tell you that command is less sticky than stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I I am a little hesitant, but guess who he faces first? Fast, uh, the Marlins. The Marlins. So I'm in. Start yeah. Jose Quintana for that first outing, and you'll see what his command is like. 
if it's still really good, then great. We're going to keep doing it. If it's not so good, it shouldn't be that bad. It's the Marlins. And we take it from there. Man, just looking at that August 17th start. Where Oh, this is in St. Louis. Never mind. I was like, is this in Cincinnati where he just dominated the Reds over eight? Eight innings with no walks, six Ks, no uh, no earned runs and two hits. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah, maybe it is something where because he started to locate at the top of the zone, that's what could have theoretically unlocked things or the all the great arguments that you just made. But it's like you said, like, is that repeatable? Is that something that he's going to be able to continue to do? There's risk there for sure. Well, right. But um, but speaking of location, actually, um, this is a good location for an ad. I just want to tell everyone really quickly that that was the proudest fast has ever been for me cutting good. him off and getting to the ad break instead. No, that was that was delicious. That was delicious. delicious. Yeah, it was delicious. <laughs> Um, that was delicious. I'm gonna I'm gonna move to number 77 here, and uh, listen, I don't I don't I honestly I'm not get, I'm not gonna beat around the bush here. It's Noah Syndergaard. I I am intrigued solely because he was signed by the Dodgers. Like I, not that I he's honestly getting Rocky Road in his first start. That that's fine, but like honestly, if if they are signing him, it is because they will make a change. And I am so I'm so excited. I keep thinking about this as like a Mad Lib. Like, man, I really can't believe that the Dodgers made Noah Syndergaard do blank. And as a result, he's a fantastic <laughs> pitcher. Like, and I just can't wait to see what the answer to that Mad Lib is. But like, mm. I, 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 and it's it seems totally antithetical to any like you know analytics argument. But like, if they're interested, then so am I. They're not signing him to do what he did last year for that other worse organization, uh, you know, southeast of them. Is southeast is definitely east. Is it southeast? Anyway, um, so honestly, <laughs> you're the one in out uh, California now. I'm not. I know, I know. Um, I just, uh, I'm curious to see what they're going to do and see if they can get him back to the pitcher that he once was. Even if they can't fix the whip, there's going to be something there. It's again another fantastic situation where we don't need to predict exactly what Cinderella is going to look like. You can just say, look, he gets the Rockies on the road and it, it, we'll see from there. It should be a fine start. If it, it can be a great one, if they've unlocked him, you get him at this point. And if it's, if it's meh, then it's meh. Then we move on. It's a perfect, the perfect pick you should be making late in your draft. Speaking of moving on, the Red Sox have not moved on from considering Garrett Whitlock a part of their rotation as he is number five. I was right, by the way. Anaheim is southeast. I was about to say, you fist pump something. And I thought you were about to say like the Red Sox were not ready to move on from Michael Waka or something like that. No, no, no. Uh, No, I'm kind of hoping the O's pick up a cheap Michael Waka. Um, Garrett Whitlock comes (laughs) in. Nothing like Cole Irvin, Waka, and uh, Kyle Gibson to really... Oh, I, got that I got a shiver. I got a shiver. Strikes fear into your heart. Oh god! Um, I really want. Honestly, can we make it so that Cindy Ponson throws out the first pitch? Oh, sure. Yeah. Let me. Let me. Let me connect with my contacts. Garrett Whitlock <laughs> uh, apparently going to be the number five in in uh, in in Boston right now. Uh, although, who knows if that actually happens? Because then that would theoretically mean that uh, Brian Paxton, Bellow. Yeah. Yeah, well, James Paxton, we don't know if he stays healthy, but then Brian Bellow starting the year in the minors. I think we heard he learned a new curveball or something this year. Brian Bayo's exactly. been working with Pedro. I'm actually yeah. really interested in Bayo, and I we're going to talk about him in a moment because I am, but keep it going here with Whitlock. 
Well, yeah, he's he he comes in at, as the SP five. You know, we saw it was interesting the way they handled him last year, right? Because the first couple of games, he he comes in uh, out of the pen, some long relief. He ends up getting four innings in his second start, kind of ramp him up. Excuse me, four innings in his second relief appearance, kind of maybe ramp him up a little bit. But then he's kind of used as a sort of elongated opener, right? He goes four in his first true start, then they bring him down to three against Toronto, then up to five, then just three against Atlanta. He gets hit a little bit harder in that start, and he also gives up four walks, but then up to five, and then back down to three again against Seattle, giving up five earned runs over three innings. Now, maybe we're going to be able to see him getting a, a good amount of innings, which is it's just good to see. And we know that there's some some underlying numbers there that point to the fact that he can have success. Um there's a, a a nice piece in Jeff Zimmerman's Mining the News where Garrett Whitlock said that his hip injury degraded his sinker last year. Uh, so theoretically, we could be seeing a little bit uh, better of a, a sinker performance, which is kind of what you want to see from a, a pitch that you know sits 96 and can hit like 99 on the gun. Um, what are you thinking of of Garrett Whitlock and this sinker changeup slider approach? You know what's the wildest thing about Garrett Whitlock? His sinker hmm. against lefties had a 17% swing strike rate. Yeah, nice. Right? That was over a 250 yeah. thrown. Um, he's a guy that goes glove side with his sinkers. Kind of reminds me of Aaron Nola where he tries to front back door it a bit against lefties and back door against righties instead of trying mm-hmm. to jam them, right? Um, and then you have a slider that had 26% swing strike rate against right-handers. 40% CSW. Got hit hard a little bit. He made a few too many mistakes with it. But, man, it's a hard pitch to hit if he locates that. Also did really well against righties. I love the I love seeing uh, with his changeup. I love seeing um, uh, pitchers utilize that changeup against same-handedness. Got it down on 24% swing strike rate on that one. 60% O-swing. Not much usage, but still really encouraging to see that. I found myself liking Garrett Whitlock more and more and more. And guess what, Fast? Gets the Orioles. Gets the Pirates. Oh, even better. Oh, because yeah. yeah, we open against the Red Sox. Yeah. So I mean, there's there was there's even an instinct right now. I haven't technically published mine to push Garrett Whitlock even higher up, um, above like Carrasco or so. Um, but regardless, I mean, I'm I think I'm going to be getting a lot of Garrett Whitlock just to take a chance on this if he develops further. That's really exciting. I think his slider and changeup are both really good against right-handies. Right-handies, oh my lord. Uh, right-handies. Against right-handers. But lefties, he's not really serving a good changeup or slider yet. I, I think he needs to figure that one out still. Um, and that's the biggest weakness for Garrett Willock at the moment. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued with this, especially if you have a nice early start at the beginning of the year. So Garrett Whitlock is, is someone I'm targeting late. We're going to wrap up the podcast with number 79 here. Uh, new. Uh, Wait, no, no, we have two more left. We have two more left. We always do it to the to 80. We then why did you only today. send me up to number 79 in the chat? I didn't do that. You didn't? What does it say after 79? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> so I was like, all right, okay, I guess we're doing that. And that's what you're talking about, talking about. Bello is like, uh, what? Why are we talking about him? Bayo, why are we talking about him? Um, all I right, the, the penultimate. 
the penultimate man, the richest yeah. man in Tampa Bay Rays <laughs> history. <up> Seventy nine. <laughs> yeah, like, what's going on here? Uh, it, it's it's Zach Eflin. Who it, there's no secret that Nick and I have had a little bit of a love affair with this curveball for years. And then it, this is another guy too, where you're like, ah, all right, Zach Eflin. There's only two teams he could go to where I would think, all right, I'm really interested in what they're going to do. And guess what? He went to one of them. Um, What are you thinking about Zach Eflin? Uh, I'm thinking that (laughs) it depends on where the the Rays have Eflin in the rotation, right? Tell me right now who the the starting five are. Um, Tyler Glasnow. Yeah. um, Drew Rasmussen. Sure. um, Jeffrey Springs. Unbelievable that you've forgotten the most important one. Yeah, no, Shane McClanahan. I was trying to get the difficult ones out of the way first. And then then, uh, Zach Eflin. Exactly. So what order are you putting them in? McClanahan, Glasnow, yeah, Springs, right. Rasmussen, Eflin. Ah, interesting. So I have it as Eflin as the third because essentially they're just going to throw Eflin as much as they want. And Rasmussen and Springs have been more limited in innings on the, under well, 140 last year for Springs last year. Rasmussen really hasn't had that 190 inning season before, right? So it doesn't matter. He's the fun part. That's the twist. The Rays get the Tigers for three and then the Nationals for two. Hmm. So Eflin, doesn't, I, don't, I don't really care. I, mean, I would love for him to be the third. That means we get him on Sunday and then you can get rid of him for the weekly league, guys. But I'm starting him for that. That's, again, another probable start. Eflin's a good pitcher. He's not necessarily someone exceptional. I actually remember falling for this last year. Where I started Eflin against a weak team early in the season. It wasn't good in that start, but I think this is another case of where we have the intrigue. Huh? Maybe Eflin's curveball is really going to come into, uh, yeah. come into form here. He's with the Rays. Maybe there's some difference going on and he has this nice, easy start against the Tigers. It makes all the sense to me. Once again, as I just look at the guys on the, on my draft board and say, I'll take the ones with a good opening start. And Eflin opening. Has <laughs> opening start. I'm trying to get I'll to take- you. The O's. Uh, and- <laughs> I'll take it's the my one Canadian the Baltimore accent. I love it. It's so gross. It's <laughs> uh, fantastic. All right, that's it. Uh, all right, no. So obviously, um, we have one more remaining that we're going to get to. Um, I, I every time I, it's embarrassing. I do try my best as a podcaster who covers pitchers to always get names right, but this is just one of those names where every time I'm like, this is the right way to say it. Don't say it the other way because that way is wrong. I'm oh, just no, wrong. I, I do that all the time. I mess it up it's in my head. It's Bayo. Yeah. It is Bayo, yeah. right? Yeah. Because I, the first time I said it many moons ago, it was Bello as in Brian Fellow's Safari Planet. I know. We uh, all wanted to be that. And right, I can't like, quit it. Just like uh, Hyena Barrios. It's not. It's Barrios. Sure. I, I just can't quit it. It's embarrassing. It's wrong of me. Wait. But anyway. Hyena Cheerios. It is Barrios. Barrios. It is Barrios, not Barrios. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's what I'm getting. Oh God, I know, and it's late for you. It's twelve. It's midnight. Oh, it's literally you're in a different day. Three hours. I have so many. Okay, all right. Let's do it. Do. Come on. The last one, Bayo. What are you thinking at number eighty? Well, I'm thinking that James Paxton likely isn't gonna be healthy. You know that that that's the thing here, right? It, it's not necessarily about Bayo. It's about is he actually gonna be in the rotation throughout the year? He might just be in AAA, and that's that's that, and they might stall him out, which would be unfortunate, and then he would fall in these ranks past 100 to the whole tier of our oh, i wish they were starting right um like i have the tiers as he has a job why does he have a job and that he should have a job you know uh yeah. so so bayo if he is starting i kind of dig what he's putting down a bit um 
I, I was a little discouraged at first because I want to say, like, where does he get his whiffs from? The sinker mm-hmm. isn't really a big whiff pitch. The slider, not so much. The changeup did improve, but then it kind of went away. But overall, I think the package is there for a young pitcher to keep developing and moving forward. And those three, you know, sometimes you watch a guy and you go, there's just nothing here I can latch on to improving, mm-hmm. right? I think actually Bayo does have the tools. It's just not polished yet. So this is a case where I see a young pitcher with that and you bet on development. And I'm like, all right, fine. Bayo, get him the innings. And I think he can be good. Do I think he's going to be like a top 25 guy? No, I think the sinker isn't a whiff pitch. And I, I just I just hate seeing these sinkers from guys at like 95 or 96. They very rarely turn into like Valdez's sinker. Yeah, actually, Valdez's sinker is bad. They really rarely turn into Logan Webb's sinker. Even that has a high BABIP. It's like, you understand my point. <laughs> like those are, what is the best sinker that we can think of? You know, um, Zach Wheeler's. And it's rare to see that. That's just pristine command. The 52% O swing on that one, right? For Zach Wheeler. Bayo's isn't that. And it's very, very rare to see it. So, yeah, I just want like a good whiff heavy four seamer. That would be a wonderful thing. It's not what we're getting. It, make, it, it lowers the the ceiling for Bayo. You know who has the uh, third best sinker among starting pitchers, according to uh, PLV? Uh, no, PLA. Oh, PLA. Oh, I love this. If, you, if you're curious, by the way, PLA is just kind of scaling PLV to the ERA scale. Mm-hmm. Um, so you nailed your, number one. Uh, Zach Wheeler. Yep. Number two yeah. is also very See, easy, a very, very this good is, This sinker. is why I know PLV is good, guys. <laughs> this um, is PLA. This is PLA. Okay. Uh, that is a representation of PLV fast. Um, sure, sure. Keegan Aiken. No, number... No, stop. Number two, you know, is who's got a very good sinker? Come on. Who, your favorite. Aaron Nola. No, the other favorite. Sandy Alcantara. Yes. Yeah. This is actually quite funny. Number three and four are back-to-back and pitchers that we have mentioned in this podcast. Get out of here. Uh, is Garrett Whitlock on there? Yep. He's number four. Who's number three? Uh, I mean, because you're talking about it with this. No, it's either Zach Eflin or it's uh, the other one. <laughs> it's Zach Eflin. Oh, Zach. Really? Oh, yeah, of course it is. I'm, I'm being dumb. Uh, for whatever reason, I just kind of thought Zach Eflin like a Carrasco type. But no, he would always just get tons of call strikes uh, down in glove side all day. It's like right ahead of Nola. Yeah. Both of them right ahead of Nola. Yeah. The worst. That's interesting. They used to run the good curve. Denilson Lamet. <laughs> worst sinker by PLA. So throw, uh, I think, by the way, if you sort by like quality pitches, this really helped mm-hmm. for me to find, by the way, like guys I was forgetting. I want to see like the worst quality percentage of pitches. But, oh, yeah, that guy exists. Right. Okay. The wor- Can you? It was Annabelle Sanchez. He's the penultimate. Like, He's the second to worst. Yeah. <laughs> by like by sinker. Oh, I'm just looking at uh, quality pitches overall. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I, oh, I think I said it's like a thousand pitches. That's why it's probably a reliever mm-hmm. or someone who's the worst. No, it's uh, it's Michael Pineda. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I have a special tier for them um, with yeah. Alice Keuchel and Mike Miner. Oh boy. Oy. Yeah. Um, all right, ladies and gents, we got through it. We got through our top 80 with many more podcasts to come in the future, so many. 81 through 90, 91 through 100, and even more after that. But that is going to do it. But before we go, Nick, you have one last thing. Yeah. So, hi, guys. Welcome to the PL8 launch. 
It's really cool. Mm, Thanks yes. for uh, it's an exciting day. Um, there are a lot of things that have changed on the site. I am putting out my own separate podcast from this one. Check it out inside the feed. It's on on the corner feed. It's on the main Petrolist feed. Um, that is me just kind of reviewing what it means uh, and a little bit of a primer on PLV as well. But definitely go to the player pages. You're going to see percentile rankings there. Uh, you're also going to see a mobile friendly, mobile friendly player page finally, uh, which is wonderful. Um, also some navigation stuff for the homepage, a couple other additions that we'll talk about on the site and inside of that podcast. But yeah, enjoy PLA day. All of our rankings on the site now, Oof, all of them baby. for the year. Baby. So baby. go have a, a field day. Enjoy the 45,000 word article of mine. And Love I apologize it. for any typos inside of it. I feel so bad for Felix who's editing it. And bless him. He's just like, I got through 39 of them. It took me two hours. <laughs> I put into a word count. I was like, how many hours does this translate to? Or minutes? It's like, yeah, 330 minutes. Oh, my God. I'm like, that's over five hours of reading. Oh, no. Oh, boy. That's content, baby. That's yeah, A plus well, content. Just, and just enjoy it, you know? Um, it's all on one page, too. So, oh, boy. <laughs> yes, enjoy. enjoy it. Enjoy. Welcome to PL 8.0. That is going to do it for episode number 373 of On the Court of the Official. Pitchless.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock. And we'll talk to you guys next week.